Welcome to the Chapel Young Adult Weekly Service, a ministry of chapel in Florence, Alabama. We believe that you are here for a reason. If you haven't already, connect with us on Instagram at wearechapelya to get regular updates. And join us weekly on Tuesday nights at 6.30 at the Student Building on campus at Chapel on Cloverdale Road in Florence, Alabama. Uh, phone. Is this your phone? Not that it would have bothered me. Anyway, um, so I'm, I'm really grateful to, to be speaking to you guys tonight. And, um, you know, it's sometimes it can be a little nerve-wracking to get up and preach, but I just really felt the Lord uh, speak to me these past few weeks as I was preparing for the sermon. And I just believe that, um, that, that the Lord will uh, speak to your hearts tonight like he's spoken to mine and so um, the first thing that I want to do is just pray um, real quick. So let's, let's bow our heads. Holy Spirit, uh, be welcome here, Holy Spirit. We invite you into this place. We know you're already here, but Lord, we, we, we want to make you welcome here. And Father, we ask that you would be here with us. Father, I ask that every word that's spoken would be your words and not mine. Father, I thank you for your presence, and Lord, we know that um, if, if the words that, spoken, that are spoken are not yours, Lord, then, uh, then they, they don't have power, they don't have meaning, so Lord, I just ask that they would be your words, um, and Lord, that you would touch everyone in this place tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, um, so the title of my message, I don't know if you have it... Yes. Okay. So my, the title of my message is Jesus, God's only message in a tapestry of divine love. So when I came up with this, honestly, I'm like, okay, I don't understand what, I don't even understand what this means. The Lord just kind of gave it to me. Uh, and actually, oddly enough, today, as I was praying, the Lord kind of spoke to me a little bit. Um, about about this, and as we go through the sermon, um, I, I believe it'll make more sense. But um, so let's let's read. So the scriptures tonight are First uh, John chapter four, verses seven through twenty-one, and so it says, "Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God." Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So, obviously, that, that is a lot. There's so much in there. Um, but as I was praying about tonight um, and kind of going back to the title of the message, I really feel like this passage of Scripture, more than any that I can think of, uh, th- you've probably heard this passage of Scripture called, like, the love chapter. Like, if you're uh, going to search for about the love of God or want a scripture on it, it's, it's probably going to be in these verses or, or at least very top, top of the list if you, if you searched it. And, um, and so when we talk about what love is and who love is, uh, the Lord gave me this vision of, of a tapestry. And so I don't know if you know what a tapestry is. I'm sure everyone probably knows, but essentially it's just a piece of fabric that uh, is woven by hand and very uh, intentionally and very delicately. Um, And as the person is weaving uh, this fabric, they actually weave it in such a way where there's actually a picture or a story uh, that, that that it tells. And that's what a tapestry is. And so, um, what the Lord showed me is that love is a tapestry. All of human history, God is weaving this tapestry together very delicately, very intentionally by his hand, and that we are the strings and the strands in this tapestry. And, um, and so, but one of the things that I feel like God wants me to convey is that while God is weaving this tapestry, if we could, you know, because sometimes we kind of get caught up in our lives and we don't really see the big picture how God sees it. And so if we could take like a God's eye view of this tapestry that he's weaving, which is all of human history, um, that we would see the face of Jesus. And I really feel like that that is the message today is that God is love and Jesus is that representation of what love is and who love is. And so the first point that I want to go into tonight is that the incarnation of Jesus is proof and the greatest representation of love that the world has ever known. And it says uh, in verses 9 and 10 um, that love is not that we love God. As a matter of fact, Love was present in the Trinity long before we could ever love God back, do anything for him. Before we were ever created, love was present within God himself. And so what I want to do is I want to take you on a journey through some scriptures um, just to kind of convey this relationship that Jesus has with the Father that Jesus has with the Holy Spirit, that the Father has, that the Trinity has together in the love that they share. So I want to go to John 1, 1 through 5. Get there. 
it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word here, speaking of Jesus, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus was present in the beginning with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Yahweh. He is God. Um, Jesus is the God of the burning bush. He's the God throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus didn't just come on the scene uh, in, in, you know, 1 AD and, oh, here's Jesus, uh, the Son of God, just popping up. No, Jesus has always existed, just like the Father has always existed and the Holy Spirit has always existed. Let's go to John 5, 19 through 23. And unfortunately for everybody, as last time I preached, I have all my scriptures marked, so I'll probably beat you there, but I'll try to give a little time for you to get there. Um, okay, so, G- so John 5, 19 through 23, it says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father." Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And here we see that Jesus relies completely on the Father. Jesus chooses to show this relationship that he has with the Father so that we can understand that him and the Father are one, that they they are of the same being, that Jesus chooses to do nothing that he doesn't see his Father already doing. The only way Jesus can do that is if he already has a relationship with the Father and if he's been with the Father through all of time and through all of eternity. And the Father himself gives testimony of Jesus. The Father says, this is my son who I am well pleased. And the Father gave all judgment over to the Son. And that shows immense love. Next scripture, John 15, 9 through 17. And it says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, 
fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. And so we see here, the Father loves Jesus. Jesus loves the Father, and Jesus loves us with that same love that him and the Father experience. And so because of that, we are called and commanded to love others. And then the last passage here, John 16, verses 12 through 15. And it says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, yet he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit you will receive from me. Um, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And so, again, this is all building the story, but the Holy Spirit was given to us by Jesus. And the Holy Spirit only speaks what he hears Jesus saying. Jesus only speaks what he hears the Father saying. So you see, there's this co there's this love between them where they're all relying on each other and that love between them is power that we get to experience. If you don't know God, you can't love. You can't truly know love if you don't know God because God is love. Love isn't an action. Um, It's not a feeling, you know, I've been a teenager before. I'm not too far removed from that. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, if we have a crush on someone, you know, that's what love is. Or, or um, you know, even when we say we love someone for the first time, those that are married or have been in, like, longer relationships, you think you know what love is when you say that. But it's not until you experience God's love and you go through testing and trials and things that you actually get to understand the type of love that God has and the type of love that God is. That's why in verse 20 of the scripture reading, which I'll go there, John makes this, I won't go there, John makes this bold proclamation, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar which is pretty strong language to me. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And so I know we've probably all heard of heard people say this. Um, hopefully I've never said this in my life. And if you have, there's no condemnation. Uh, but, you know, I love God, but I just don't like people that much. Or I love God but I don't like church. Um, And when you actually think about it, that's kind of completely contradictory to what love is because in order to love other people, we have to love God first. And the only way in loving others is the expression of the love that we already receive from the Father. Right. So that's why he says you, if you don't love others, you can't 
you cannot love God or know God because loving others is an overflow of the love that we have from the Father. And there's no way that we can know him and love him and not want to share him with other people around us and not share that love with the people that we meet every single day in our lives. And so that leads me to my second point, which is we must live through God in order to love. In verse 9 of 1 John 4, it makes a statement that God showed his love by sending his son into the world so that we might live through him. And I did a little research on this, and really this verse is a a direct parallel to John 3.16, which we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So what does it mean to live through Jesus? What does that mean for our lives? It means that we have to pass through him in order to have life, in order to truly live. We have to be washed in his blood. We have to submit our flesh to him and to his reconciliation power. And there is no life but through the co-laboring of us in Christ. That's the only place where life is found is in him. So let's turn to John 19, 31 through 37. And so uh, this is a scripture, uh, you know, during when, when Jesus is crucified. And it says, Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath, because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Let me get back to it. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may also believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one that they have pierced. And so, obviously, we could dive into uh, the crucifixion of Jesus and all the symbolism there and what that means. But this one in particular, this, this particular passage where it says that the centurions pierced his side with the spear and it says that blood and water came out. Throughout church history, that actually symbolized two primary ways that we show our faith or experience a faith, which is the Eucharist or communion and baptism. And so, um, and we know the Eucharist, the, the blood and body of Jesus, right? And then baptism is when we're we go under the water and we come up and that's a public declaration of our new life in Christ. So John 6, 53 through 58, I'm going to read that. 
And it says, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And here, Jesus is referring to the power of his blood, the power to save, the power to heal, the power to store, to restore, the power to resurrect. And in Leviticus 17, 11, it says that the life of the body is in the blood. And so we know that when Jesus's blood was poured out, he is actually pouring out his life upon us so that we can have life in him, so that we can be made new. Outside of his blood and his life, there's no resurrection and there's no hope for us at all. We must be washed by his blood. That is, that is the number one thing. His blood is beautiful and it's precious and we must be washed by his blood. And the water pouring out symbolizes baptism, which is a public declaration of the inner work of salvation in us by Jesus and it speaks that we're submitting to our flesh, we're dying to ourselves, and we have been made a new creation through the power of the Holy Spirit. The blood speaks. It speaks love, it speaks forgiveness, it speaks reconciliation, it speaks healing. We can't live a life devoted to Jesus and pleasing to the Lord until we've passed through his blood. And my third point is, we can't live this reconciled life. We can't live the new life in love that Jesus had for us without the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the confirmation. He is the prize of our new life in Jesus. So I'm going to read verse 13 of 1 John 4 again. And it says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. When you receive Jesus and you submit your life to him, you receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is fully God. He's fully God, equal with the Father and Son since the beginning. And he's our helper. He's our, he's our power, our sustenance. He is our resurrection Jesus chose to do nothing outside of the Holy Spirit and outside of his leading. If we neglect the Holy Spirit, we neglect God himself. If we neglect the Holy Spirit, we neglect God himself. If we grieve the Holy Spirit, we grieve God. If we love the Holy Spirit and we invite him, we love God. And just a few ways how the Holy Spirit reveals himself to us, um, and I'm sure all of us has, have experienced these. I know I have. Um, the main purpose and the main thing that the Holy Spirit does is reveal Jesus to us. I think 
to me, it was a it was a revelation when I understood. And somebody said it. I can't rem- can't can't even remember who said it. But we can't even know God unless God tells us who He is. We can't even know God unless the Holy Spirit speaks to us about who God is. Which I just was like, wow, that makes so much sense. Literally, all we have in this equation is just giving our lives to the Lord, just our yes. The Lord is actually the one who initiates and sustains this life that we have in him. We just give him our yes. Number two is conviction, pruning, and refining. Um, Conviction's not fun. When we have things in our life that the Father uh, speaks to us and says, yeah, these things probably shouldn't be there, and you realize that um, it's not the most fun thing in the world, um, but it is completely love because the Holy Spirit is forming us into the image of Jesus every single day if we will allow him to. If we wake up every day and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Tell me anything in my heart and in my life that's not there, that's not, that doesn't please you because I, I don't want it there anymore. So the Holy Spirit convicts us, and the Holy Spirit is is our power. We have no power. We have no authority outside of the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so we honor and, and we love the Holy Spirit. And then my final point tonight is that there is no fear in God. There is no fear in love. And we should not fear. Jason, you can come up. You don't mind? I summon thee. Wait, hold on. What, what? Yeah. I summon thouest up to the stage. That's what, that's what I said earlier. I had to get it right. So verse 16 of 1 John 4 says that we know and rely on the love that God has for us, not the other way around. I think a lot of times, uh, I know I do, we give ourselves a lot more credit in the equation Um, than than we really have. God is the one that loved us first. He's the one that started this whole thing. Our works, things that we do, although they should be pleasing to the Lord and also we should give him everything that we have, our works change nothing about God's love and about who he is. God is love. And then John says in verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. Our confidence isn't in what we can do for God, but our confidence is based on what God has already done in Jesus who he is, what he's going to do, his nature, the cross, the resurrection. That's our confidence. And I feel like when we fear punishment, um, I know, I don't know how many of you grew up in, in a background where maybe your grandparents or your parents believe that anytime they, they did something wrong, that, uh, they lost their salvation or whatever. That's a whole nother topic. But I feel like 
when we fear punishment, it's because we see our own works as our salvation instead of Jesus being our salvation. He is our salvation. And we should, we should fear the Lord. Fearing the Lord is, is a right thing, and we should, but not because we're afraid of Him. Not because we're afraid of God. He's our Father. But because when we get to know Him and we experience the love that Jesus has for us and that He has for us, we realize, oh my gosh, I never want to do anything to hurt His heart. I don't want to hurt His heart. Because when you love someone, you're always thinking about the other person instead of yourself. You're always thinking, how how is what I'm doing impacting the person that I love, impacting the one that I love? I just I want us I want us to take a second. Um, I didn't really plan this, but I just I want us to take a second just to close our eyes, if we can. And I want us to meditate for a second on Jesus hanging on that cross. naked, beaten, practically skinned alive, blood pouring down his body. Saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. that we need. That's the kind of love that we need in this hour because there are so many people out there just go into a workplace, go go onto a campus, go into a store, whatever the case may be, just, just go anywhere and listen to the conversations that you hear. There's not many laced with love. There's not many that would say, you know what? Even if you ridicule me, even if you hurt me, even if you say mean things about me, I don't care what you do to me, I'm going to love you anyway. And think about God in the flesh being so humble and so lowly that he would hang on a cursed tree that is a love that only comes from one place guys it only comes from one place And I don't know 
I don't know where everyone in this room, where you're at with the Lord. I don't know where you're at. Only you do. But I promise you that there is no love like the one who is love. And if you don't know him, you gotta know him. Because there's no one like him, I promise. And I believe that tonight we're, we're going to have some time of uh, worship and, and prayer. And I, I'm going to step out of the way and just let the Lord move. But I believe that tonight that there's maybe one person or a few people that there's a hole, there's, there's a place in your heart that's empty and you don't know why it's empty um, you've tried so many different things but you just can't you just can't fill this place and I just want to say that that place is where Jesus wants to live he wants to fill you up he wants to give you peace he wants to give you strength but above all of that he wants to reveal who he is to you. Because Jesus Christ is our faith. Our faith isn't in, in angels. Our faith isn't in, uh, you know, prosperity or, or the job that we have or whether life's going good or not. Our faith is a man. And it's the God-man who came from heaven to earth to save us, his people. And then he invites us to love other people. He invites us to be a part of what he's doing. God, God doesn't fall in line with our plan. We get in on what he's doing in the earth. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm going to pray. Um, I've asked uh, a few people to come up to the front. Um, if you, and you, you can go ahead and come to the front uh, if you're one of those people, but if you feel in your heart that you need a touch from God, that you need a touch from Jesus, do not wait. Now is your time. The Holy Spirit, He's in this room. He's, he's here with us right now. And I know He will touch you. If you have a sickness in your body, I believe you will be healed. If you're dealing with anxiety and depression, you just haven't told anyone, nobody even knows. He wants to set you free. So, Father, we thank you for your presence. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. God, thank you that you're love and we're not. You're the initiator of love. Thank you that 
even though our love may fail, that your love never fails. You are love, Jesus. Give us a revelation of who, you're, of who you are and of your love. And Father, I ask tonight that as we go into this song, Jesus, that you would just come. That you would do what only you can do. Thank you again for listening. Connect with us through Instagram at wearechapelya or come visit us at Chapel in Florence.